Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Perspective Transformation Radio, enjoying its 10th anniversary, often the number one live airing broadcast on Blog Talk Radio, and reaching a global audience of over 185,000 listeners. During this hour-long interview-style program, you'll meet prospective transformers who come to share their most pivotal, life-changing insights and aha moments, offering you instant access to life, leadership, and God-loving seismic shifts of your own. We encourage you to invite friends to join you here now or share quotes with attribution and also to reach out to our sponsor, WomenSpeakers.com, the most popular online connecting place for Christian event planners and Christian women speakers since 2002. I'm your host, Marnie Swedberg, and I encourage you to grab a notepad and get ready to meet today's Perspective Transformers. Welcome, welcome. This is Marnie, and I'm so excited to have you with us afternoon for our program Transparent Faith, balancing business, beliefs, role modeling, and reality with our guest today, Karen Watson. Grab a notepad because during this hour, you're going to discover how to think about your business or life work, the key to making every aspect of your work matter for eternity, the reality of eternal truth and subjective truth and how it plays out in our lives, why faith is important and what to do when yours fails, the fact about Uh, becoming a role model, and how to learn from the best, the keys to being authentic, and why perfectionism is not God's idea and God's freeing perspective on that subject. Our guest today is Karen Watson. She's a woman of faith, a pastor's wife, mother, author, speaker, and entrepreneur. She truly believes that with God, all things are possible and endeavors to live a transparent, faith-filled life. Her website is faithfulwoman.com. Welcome to you, Karen. Thank you, Marnie. Thank you so much. Well, it's great to have you here, and I'm excited to dive into this topic of having transparent faith and trying to balance all these different aspects of life, because that's kind of where it gets tricky sometimes. We can sometimes do, you know, one or two or five okay, and then we get kind of overwhelmed (laughs) as we go forward. So why don't you start with talking to us about how to think about our our business, the business or life work aspect of our life. There's so many aspects of our life, but when you start to just zone in on business or life work, what are some of the key principles that you keep in mind? Okay, great. Absolutely. You know, Marnie, one of the things that happens to women of faith is that we we sometimes gravitate first to uh, who can find who can find the virtuous woman, and we all gravitate towards being the virtuous woman who is doing all of these things and getting all of these things done. And I do believe that God calls each of us to a great work, and it has many aspects. But whatever He calls us to. The guiding principles for me are typically, it starts with Ecclesiastes 9 and 10, where the Lord tells us whatever our hands find to do, do it with all of our might. Mm -hmm. No matter what it is that we're doing, the church, home, our work, we should be doing it with all of our might. The, The work then, when you think about doing something with all of your might, that work should be fun. It should be planned. It should be executed. We don't always have to be exhausted at the end of that work, 
but we should feel like we accomplished much. And so there's another area that I look at as well when I think about business and our life's work. What is it? Well, uh, there's a scripture in John that speaks to God has chosen us and ordained us to go forth and bring fruit so that our fruit will remain. So long after I leave here, whatever work I'm doing, the fruit of that work has to be available to God for God to do, to use, to bless someone, to be a blessing to him, to glorify him. That's the way I look at business, and that's the way I approach work. Hmm. There's another, you were talking about Ecclesiastes 9 verse 10, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all thy might. Um, and then there's another verse, and I'm trying to think, um, oh, yeah, it's, it's uh, 1 Corinthians 10.31, whether you eat, drink, or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. You know, those two that kind of, um, those two that kind of come together to make this foundation uh, key. When I think about business or life work, I, I like to step back and kind of start with the who I am versus the what I'm doing. Um, So let's just talk about that for just a minute, because I think sometimes um, the the work does become the identity. And there's a there's a caution that has to be in place in that. Yes, absolutely. You know, we think about um, who you are. I would add, Marnie, whose you are. A lot of how we define as who we are really has to be centered around the relationship that we have with God. So it really starts there. When we move forward in the areas where he wants us to move with all of the things that he's placed in us, all of the things that he's um, ordained us with from birth, before you were in your mother's womb, I ordained you. Everything that he called us to be has already been purposed before we ever were. And so knowing whose we are defines a lot about who we are. And so we can't get caught up in titles or positions or um, that be it at work or at church or even titles, uh, domestic titles, mom, wife. It's whose you are, and when you um, are focused on that relationship with God and understanding that you're in his arms, you're called and ordained by him, and you're directed by him, we could be whoever he calls us to be. Uh, We don't always know who we are right away. I can think back to uh, the different things that I thought I would be when I grew up. And entrepreneurship finally found me, but I thought about all these different people I wanted to be when I grew up. I think so it is with women of faith, women of God. We can be whatever God calls us to be as long as it's centered and surrounded by our relationship with him and covered by his love for us. Hmm. So beautiful. I'm thinking of 
I'm thinking of Joseph and just all of the different roles that he played. Um, he was first a, the youngest favorite son, and then he was a slave, and then he was a supervisor, and then he was a prisoner, and then he was second in command to the king, and then he was a father, and then he went back to being a brother and a son. And all of these things flowed in and out of his life at God's orchestration. He really had very little to do with any of it except to remain faithful to God. That was his whole role. And so this this position of um, having our business and our life work come under the authority of who God is and what he's having us do today and not to become, uh, I was talking to someone uh, recently, she was doing a training for speakers and she said not to, not to be a prima donna, not to say, yes. but I don't do that kind of thing, you know, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> to right. be willing, yeah, to be willing to do whatever God puts in our hands to do whatever God calls us to do with all of our hearts. I just love that beautiful perspective. Yes, I love that too. And, you know, we, we sometimes measure what we will do by what we think our capacity is for doing that. So Mm. we limit ourselves sometimes by Mm -hmm. looking at what we perceive, the skills that we have, the education that we have, the finance that we have. But when we think about the abundance of what God has, when he calls us to do something, he has every resource we need to accomplish that, which, what he's called us to do. He's got it there for us. And so we, what, when we find our hands doing what God has us to do, we do it with our might, but we understand and trust everything that we need to do what he's called us to do. Uh, I like to say the camels will come. Just like they came from Mary, they're going to come with every provision we need to accomplish what God has called us to do. <laughs> I am so going to use that. The camels will come. I love it. <laughs> that is a great phrase. <laughs> we have poor little, poor, literally P-O-O-R, poor little Mary Jugs up there, and then the camels came with gifts. Love it. That is awesome. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about, talk about making everything Every aspect of work matter for eternity. And I know for me, Karen, when I comprehended this reality, um, it just changed my attitude toward all work, not just the life calling type work, but everything from changing diapers to, you know, cleaning up the backyard, uh, dog poops. I mean, it's it changed my whole life. Oh, yes. No matter what we are called to do, whatever position, whatever occupation, whatever role we have, everything we do must glorify God. This is and should be our guiding principle, how we treat others when we're driving down the road and the person cuts us off. You you know, does this glorify God, what mm-hmm. I'm thinking right now? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when, right. when you're in line at the grocery store, and I remember my, my children were younger and I had the – the ton of baby food on the counter. Oh, I had every jar of carrots, peas, mixed vegetables, every kind of flavor, every kind of jar. It all tasted kind of the same bland. But I had all of this for my children. And people would come up behind me and they would say, can I just go ahead of you? I just have one item. And and I would feel like, oh, my goodness, no. I waited in line. Why don't you wait in line? And And I had to think about, does this glorify God right now? And and I would say when someone approached me, seeing that I was trying to get out the store with diapers and all of that food, if they asked me, I would say, yes, 
because everything I do must glorify God in actions. And sometimes that means letting people go ahead of us, letting people lead out in front of us, um, taking a step back so that others can go first. It all must glorify God. God takes care of that. No matter what we do, how we do it, there is no job that's insignificant in God's eyesight. You know, Marnie, in the corporate realm, when I worked in the corporate environment, I watched um, people, how they treated individuals with differing career uh, positions in the organization differently. Well, I didn't treat people differently. It didn't matter to me what your job was. If you took the trash out or if you were in the boardroom, it didn't matter. It was about glorifying God and all people are important to God. Every decision we make, everywhere we go, everything we say, does it glorify God? Mm. Yeah, I love it. I I often think too, Christ doing it through us. So not just me doing it for God, which is a good good thing also, but God doing it through me. Um, for sure, anything that God is doing through me is going to make it into heaven because it says there's that fiery you know, that, that fiery entrance into heaven where all of the, it isn't, it isn't what gets us in. It's Jesus blood that gets us in, but then we go through this fire and it says that all the wood, hay and stubble gets burned away and only the gold and the precious gems uh, make it through with us into heaven of all the works that we've done. And when we come through that fire, I believe that the only thing that's actually going to come through with us is the stuff that God did through us because we weren't even able to, all of our righteous, all of my righteousness is filthy rays, it says in the Bible. So, therefore, it is God's work through our lives that actually makes it into eternity with us as a gift back to God. And it is so exciting to recognize this, that anytime we're partnering with him, anytime we're partnering with him, that whatever it is we're doing, whether it's just folding bulletins or, you know, doesn't matter what the project is, if we're doing it with Jesus, um, it's it's going to have eternal reward. And I just think that that is like the most extravagant gift ever. Uh, you know, obviously Jesus dying on the cross for us, coming and dying on the cross for us was the most extravagant gift and giving us life. But then that he would actually reward us for doing ridiculous things, ridiculous little things that just have to get done. Um, a cup of water for somebody who's thirsty. That's just amazing to me. Yes, yes. Just, just whatever you 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 can walk in and see something in the aisle, and you step, you just pick it up and keep going, and you say, you know, this is the Lord's temple, and someone dropped a piece of their bulletin, and it doesn't have to wait until someone comes along to whose job is to run the vacuum. I, I see a leaf came in on someone's shoe. Well, this is the Lord's house. I can get that leaf and I can pick it up. It's all about coming back to everything I do. I do it so that the, the, the glory is on God and not on me. And I agree with you about the fire and being tried with the fire. And it's only those things that are are being led by God, that I'm following his will, his direction. He's ordering my steps. Those are the things that matter the most, and those are the things in the end that are going to last. Sometimes we think uh, we are accomplishing things, and 
uh, God doesn't want us to take joy in the fact that some of us may be able to write large checks and some of us may be able to do great things. It's not those large things that you could do. He's looking at our heart, our intent, and whether or not the things that we do are glorifying him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, beautiful. Let's talk about um, the reality of eternal truth and subjective truth. So maybe start with some definitions for us and then talk to us about uh, what those mean as well as how is they affect how they affect our lives or are played out in our lives. You know, um, when you when you start thinking about truth, so there's only two sides. It's either true or it's false. That, that's it, just true are not true. Those are the there's there's no in between. If it's if it's not true, then it's false. And if it's false, it's not true. And it really starts with our our beliefs and uh, what our understanding of truth is, which comes for me through the Word of God. God's Word is truth. Whatever we believe is true for us is true. We I, I can't change your thought how you you think about yourself, I can guide you towards truth to know what God says about you as opposed to what you think of yourself. So uh, the Bible speaks to um, uh, that that we whatsoever man think it, so is he and and we and we talk about uh, there is a phrase that uh, I was trying to think of that talks about it's the example that you sometimes hear is the glass half empty or the glass half full whichever way you believe it to be that's the way it is for you so some of us think it's half empty some of us think it's half full when we talk about um, eternal truth and subjective truth well the eternal truth is that Jesus died on the cross he's coming back <laughs> he died so that we would have a right to eternal life to him he came so that we could have life life more abundantly and that's not just when we get to heaven that's right now that's not all wealth it's health it's clear heart it's clear mind and it's a place when when this life is over it's a place that is guaranteed by my faith in what i believe and so having truth and knowledge of truth is centered around knowing god because god is truth and knowing his word because his word is truth. That's how we live out our life. There's not a single thing that we cannot that we can do or accomplish. Everything we do, we can find a truth surrounding that right in the word of God. Every single thing is covered. You don't have to look for it anywhere else. It may be explained in Webster, but it's laid out for us right in the Bible. It's there. The word of God is truth. Hmm. So subjective truth then would be what? You know, subjective truth is we, we, it's, it's lacking that, that committed, you know, it's, it's maybe what we perceive, but we don't own. We don't, know with confidence maybe we heard about it um i'm sitting in a chair right now and um i don't know that the chair has the capacity to hold me but i believe it does because i'm sitting in it and i haven't fallen to the floor yet so 
the, the subjective truth is there's something about me sitting in a chair that gives me confidence that the chair will hold me. Well, if I were an engineer, I could probably tell you <laughs> without a doubt why the chair could hold me. I could take the uh, I could take the width of the chair, the depth of the chair, the knowledge of the chair. I can take my physical weight, height. I can tell you when the chair was manufactured, and I could use specific things using my engineering knowledge that would prove that the chair could hold me. Subjectively, it's holding me because I'm sitting here. But knowing factually. What I know comes because of some other relationship or knowledge that I have. When we go through life and we are going through life subjectively, um, I'm using examples of what I, what I may have read or someone else's testimony, but the eternal truth of God, it is factual. I can prove it. I can take it and I can I can measure it out. I can give you the examples. I can talk to you about the key roles of faith. That's the difference and how we apply it in our life. There's nothing wrong with subjective truth at times, but um, I think eternal truth, we just have to know what we know, and that's guided by the Word of God. It's very difficult for people to um, actually come to faith in God if they don't believe that the Word of God is true. Of course, people do. People who don't know how to read <laughs> can come to Christ. Yes. But uh, the, the fact that the Bible is the most amazing book ever written, um, I do a whole training on this about the reasons why it's so incredible that the Bible can exist. There's over 40 authors. They come from all different walks of life over a period of hundreds of years from different continents, speaking different languages, uh, everything from kings to tax collectors to, uh, you know, everybody in between. And yet they're all telling one cohesive story from the beginning to the end of the book. Um, and this, this is just impossible that this could have ever just happened. I think one of the largest proofs for the Bible being true, not that it needs to be proved true, it just is true, but one of the biggest proofs to me is that I'm an author myself, and I really haven't ever read a book by an author that includes as much dirty laundry as the Bible includes. It includes, it has all these <laughs> patriarchs and people who we look up to in the faith who were just real people making really bad choices and God's yes. love for them and redemptive story in their lives all the way through scripture. And so there's this, there's this truth, like you say, the difference between an eternal truth and a subjective truth. The subjective truth would be, I'll believe the Bible when you prove it to me. Whereas mm -hmm. an eternal truth is, it's true whether I believe it or not. It's going to remain true. And that's it's kind so of true. more like... Right. Like gravity. Gravity just is true. It doesn't matter if you believe it or not. It is true, and it does have an effect on your life. And so when we think about eternal truth and the Word of God, the Bible being, being something that you can put your faith in, that you can take and you can actually trust that what it says is true, it does clear up a lot of things in life to have something that is uh, that true. That is not subjective. Yes, yes. It's it's a uh, you know the um, just what we we can't 
base it off of what we feel or what we think or or uh just emotion it's it's true it remains true and there's nothing we can do that would make it not be true it is mm-hmm. true right right and 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 there's a lot of comfort in that actually um yes. so let's talk about faith because uh, uh, something i hear people say is that something like um, someone had gone through losing a child and her faith got her through. And I always think, yes, that's true, but what is her faith in? Because actually you can have faith in things that can't get you through. Um, Faith can be misplaced, but when our faith is in eternal truth, then there is no fear that our faith is misplaced. Um, tell Tell us from your perspective the importance of faith. Faith is um, is essential. It's essential for me. Um, I I have to have faith. Faith is, um, you you know we we know what the Bible says. Faith, uh, the substance of things hoped for, and the evidence of things not seen. But faith is, uh, it you have to act on it. It's it's what takes you beyond the fear so fear is one of the things that um, immediately comes our way almost in every situation there are some people who appear to be fearless but I believe there's an element of fear that that overtakes us almost every time we're called to do something for God and to go forth the most natural thing to happen is that fear of something failure, fear of this, fear of that. It just lines itself up. And so it's important to understand that uh, uh, faith overtakes fear every time. When you know what you know about God and you believe in God, then you must have faith that he will do exactly what he said he was going to do. So you don't have to have fear about uh, taking important steps or making decisions. Now, we don't always have faith, Marnie. Uh, We don't always look or exhibit or act like we have faith. And uh, the thing that stands out for me the most is I don't have to have a whole boatload of faith. It's that mustard seed imagery. I had often heard that in church, the mustard seed, the mustard seed. And it was only until I really saw a real mustard seed how (laughs) much faith it took to move mountains. And so faith is important. What always comes to mind for me when I'm in a moment of on borderline, faith or fear, faith or fear, I think about that mustard seed and say, wow, this is all I need, just that much faith. God can do amazing things with that. It takes faith for us to to move out. Abraham was told to leave. Leave your home. Leave your family. Go to a place that I will show you. He didn't even know where he was going. Get up. Take everything. Go where I will show you. And the important part to me was he had to go. As he went, then it was revealed. God began to show him. But that first faith of leaving was necessary so that he could be shown the way just by taking that step. So faith to me is extremely important. There are a number of 
actions and steps I've taken in my personal life. I I went through college. I worked in the corporate realm. And when God moved me from company to company, I had to believe it was by faith that I was stepping out and leaving one organization where I felt comfortable with pay, comfortable with position, but believing that God was sending me to another place. I stepped out on faith. I went. I was a little bit nervous at times. Are you crazy? Who leaves Mm -hmm. this job? Who walks Mm -hmm. away from that? I did it several times. And, Marnie, there were people who thought I was crazy, you know, people who thought, who would do this? But my faith said, I have to move, and God will show me the places where he's taking me. Faith is very important. God's going to take us some um, tremendous places. He's going to put us in positions and uh, places and in the rooms with people that we have yet to even know are available. It is our faith in God that we can go to those places, we can represent him, we can glorify him, and we go not focused on fear, but on the faith that we are going in accordance with who God is and what he's ordained for us in this time and this season. Yeah, absolutely. I love how in the Amplified Bible, when it says faith, it has in parentheses, the leaning of the entire personality on God in absolute trust and confidence in his power, wisdom, and goodness. I just love that description of faith that you just, you, you don't, you maybe don't know what to do or how to think about something and you just lean completely into God's absoluteness, his love, his grace, his mercy, his wisdom, um, and his care Absolutely. for us. The other, day, the other day, somebody shared on Facebook the acronym FAITH, forwarding all issues to heaven, F-A-I-T-H, forwarding oh, all that. issues to heaven. I know, I do too. I thought that was just awesome because that's really faith. Faith has walked out. Well, you know, he, you quoted earlier Hebrews 11, 1, faith being the substance of things that we have not seen, the evidence of things um, not currently in our possession. And verse 11, 6 in Hebrews says that it is impossible to please God unless a, you have faith that yes. he exists and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And I think it's really interesting that those are two things that are together. You don't only have to believe that he exists, but you actually have to believe that he's good, that he's going to reward those who diligently seek him. That's different than believing that God's up there somewhere as the mean, um, uh, you know, angry God who's just out to get you. It's a whole different yes. position. And both both require faith, but there's only one kind of faith that pleases God. And it's, yeah, to, to believe that he exists, but also to believe that he's good, that he loves you, that he's actually working all things for your good. Yes. And, you know, First Peter 5 and 7 tells us that he cares for us. So cast everything on him. Uh, the acronym that, that you gave for faith, that's what came to mind. He loves us. He cares for us. We can give him everything, cast everything on him. He cares for us. He's there for us. He's available for us. When you were talking about, you know, a mean, angry God, I was thinking about how sometimes when people hear in the Bible, fear God, fear God, God doesn't want us to be scared of him. Uh, afraid of him. 
He just wants us to honor him and recognize his authority, his power. So he's he's not this mean, angry God. Oh, my goodness, what would we be if he really were a mean, angry God? He loves us. He wants the best for us. Um, uh, he cares for us. He cares for us. We come with repentant heart. He loves us. He forgives us. He cares for us, Marty. And that is that is awesome. When we go forth in faith, we know that even if I get this wrong, even if I, even if I didn't, it was uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they were in the fiery furnace, and they said, "Oh, King, we're not going to bow." And even if we're wrong, we'd rather do this than to take the other approach. That's faith. That's faith right there to say, you're going to put me in some fiery places. You're going to throw me right in. But I have faith that standing on what God has said, what he said about me and how I should live, if you have to put me in a fire, put me in a fire. It's going to be better than for me not to to follow that and to live in accordance with what he has said and how he said to live. That's faith. You know, that's it right there. And I don't know how many of us today could walk into a furnace and say, yeah, um, right. I'm, I'm going to stay right here in this spot, right in this place. But God wants us to do that every day because he loves us and he cares for us. So before we move on, I want to talk for a few minutes about when our faith fails. Because honestly, uh, we have examples in scripture of people who um, they they were faithful, for example, Abraham and Sarah. They were faithful. They did trust God, and then they didn't. They were like, no, we've waited a long time. It's still not happening. We better mm-hmm. we better do it ourselves and go forward. And we've got we've got other examples of that too. And that happens in our lives too. I let I love the verse um, verses Romans eight twenty eight and twenty nine and this is a lot of people's favorite verses twenty eight where we know that God works all things together for good to them who are called according to His purpose but verse twenty nine tells us how He does that when it says to be molded conformed to the image of His Son so what God's trying to do through all circumstances in our life and in the world is to conform us to the image of Christ to bring us into more of a dependent relationship on him where we experience the fullness of God's power through our life as we become less of our um, simple controlling, you know, selves and we become more of this dependent on God flow through vessel where his life and his love are flowing through our lives instead of just the best that we can muster up. So when our faith fails, I just think it's, feedback. Failure equals feedback. It's just showing us in this area of my life, I am still not trusting God. I see that here. And I hate it when I see that in my life, but then I think, okay, but God is bringing good even out of this. It's letting me see that I still have growth that's needed in this particular thought process or in this particular relationship or whatever it is. Yes. You know, we, um, we must remember, you know, in our, our faith fails, but there is no failure in God. Mm-hmm. And, and we have to go back. And we do see, we see the examples. We see, we see Moses and we see others. Um, Abraham, you had mentioned, and Moses, Moses and the people were complaining and they're complaining. And Moses strikes the rock 
instead of speaking to the rock. And that that happens to us sometimes. We we have faith and and our our faith. Lord, I've been waiting on you. I know you're going to do this, but let me just go this route and take this approach and and approach it this way. I had an example of um, I had a business situation where um, an, an organization I was consulting with had a tremendous need, a tremendous need, and it was a financial need. And I took it to God. Uh, it wasn't my problem to solve. I just happened to be there because I believe God placed me at that time for uh, my faith to go into action on behalf of this organization. Mm-hmm. And so they had this need. I didn't know where it was going to come from. I prayed, I prayed, and then someone I knew called me and said, the Lord said the money is going to come from place A. Now, that's what they told me, Marnie. The Lord said money's going to come from, and they told me exactly what the Lord said. I had not told the person I needed this money. I had not told them what it was about. But the Lord dispatched an angel through someone I knew who said, the Lord said the money is going to come from this place. Well, I tried to help the Lord. I kind of waited, and Hmm. where the money was supposed to come from, the money wasn't coming. And the date was getting closer, closer, closer. So what did I do? I went to plan B. Well, Lord, I know you said it's going to come from plan A, but I went to plan B. And guess what? I got a yes. I got a yes from plan B. And I said, well, thank you, Lord. The problem is solved. But on the date that this money was needed, the Lord showed up, and exactly what he said was going to happen happened. Everything that we needed came, and it came from source A. And I had to go back to source B and say, oh, we have it solved. Thank you. But I took matters into my own hand. And then the message to me from God was, when I tell you I'm going to do something, do not doubt me. So I would say our best lesson is when our faith fails, don't doubt God. Go back. What did God say? What did God tell us to do? Go back to that. I guarantee you he is going to show up right when we need him to with everything that we need, no matter what it is. He does it. He does it every time. Hmm. Well, thank you. You just spoke those words right to my heart. I wrote them down. (laughs) Review this again. Yeah. God said, when I tell you what I'm going to do, that I'm going to do something, do not doubt me. Go back. What did God say? And just we tend to, I was just talking to somebody about this this morning. We tend to not, uh, personally, I hate midnight hour answers. I really like to know in advance, you know, kind of like you were in your story, too. It's very difficult for us to wait on God. We really want to see how it's going to work out. In order for us to believe, it goes back to that eternal, eternal truth versus subjective truth. Subjective truth is I'll see it when I, I'll believe it when I see it. When I see and it. the eternal truth is like, no, God's got it. Uh, you'll see it when you see it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, absolutely. Mm. He, he always shows up. He does it. Hmm. He does let's it. Talk a few, you know, let's talk a few minutes about being, being a role model. I, I always say that everybody's leading somebody. There is somebody younger than you. There's somebody 
not quite as far along as you, on your journey as you. There's somebody watching you, whether it's one of your children or grandchildren or whoever it is, maybe a niece or a nephew. There's somebody that's watching you, no matter who you are. And you are a role model, whether you think so or not. But the reality yeah. is that certain um, certain positions have more of this role model aspect to them. Uh, we think of a person like a Tim Tebow or, you know, um, you know, uh, uh, Donald Trump. I mean, there's certain people that are just like they're there in positions where we look at them and we say, you know, this is how they are doing it. Do I want to be like that or not want to be like that? <laughs> and oh, when yeah. we are role models ourselves, um, what what do you what do you want us to know about that? You know, I I think it's important to realize exactly what you said. Someone is always watching what we do, how we're doing it, and how um, how we live, and how we live the way we believe. What good would it do for me to tell you I trust God, I believe God, when I am always full of weary doubt and fear? Oh, I don't think this is going to go well today. Oh, I know this is going to happen to me, and I'm always speaking the worst possible things. It it contradicts (laughs) what I believe and how I live. Being a role model, you are a role model whether or not you want to be. I know we all remember that famous person who said, I'm not a role model. Don't do what I do, and I could do whatever I want to do because I didn't sign up to be anyone's role model. Well, that's not true for people of faith. We are role models, and and guess what? We have the best role model there is. We have Christ as an example of how he treated people, how he lived his life, how he walked on the earth among everyone. He is the perfect example for us. So we are a role model whether or not we're intending to be. We are. We must always know. It goes back to the point where we were talking about everything we do is to God's glory. Does God get glory out of this? Because someone is watching me. We have a world of cameras everywhere. <laughs> cameras are everywhere now. And, and, mm-hmm. and, and what you do and how you react, it shouldn't matter if you're on video camera or not. What should matter the most is you are a role model. And what you're showing is how to live a life of faith, how to live and walk as a believer, and how to live out what you believe. People see it. It it, it plays out in everything we do, everywhere we go. Um, it's, it's just remembering. We must. Titus 2 and 7 says, In all things showing thyself a pattern of good works. Everything we do, a pattern of good works. Uh, let my testimony be, oh, she was really ethical. <laughs> oh, she always did the right thing, you know, and she was a believer. But I would hate to, for, it, for it to be, I'm a businesswoman, Marty, and I would hate for people to see me as a corrupt business person saying, I believe God. I'm a woman of faith. I believe in Jesus Christ. What good would that do? I am a role model. Somebody's watching me. But we should give them best teachable moments possible. How did you react when you found out you had a terminal illness? This is how I reacted. How did you react when your income uh, was not as great as your death? Well, this is what I did. 
we we always have opportunities to be a role model to others and to point them to the greatest role model, which is Jesus Christ himself. I think it's amazing that those are the two examples that came to your heart to share with us because I think it's so important. It isn't about having a perfect life. That is not at all what God's looking for in a role model. And if we look at Jesus, we know that this is true. Sometimes he he had no place to call his own. He had a a rock for a pillow. Um, You know, it wasn't like his life was just this perfect example of wealth and health and happiness and all of that. It was that his life was the role model of trusting God completely. That was the whole thing, being in close, personal, moment-by-moment relationship with God. Uh, for the betterment of all mankind. And that's really what we're looking for. So regardless of what the news is you just got or your circumstances or whatever, the key to being a role model is trusting God and walking that out. And that's actually the authenticity. And that's where we actually want to talk next too. The key to being authentic is to not try to pretend like you can't be used by God unless you have everything all together because Nobody ever does. Or if they think they do for a couple of minutes, it's just a couple of minutes. Don't worry. Something's going to go bad at some point here because we're still on <laughs> earth. This is not heaven. So even if, it, even if it seems like everything's going perfect for you, that's just a moment in time. Yes. Yes. Life happens to us all, and, and we are not perfect. There are things that are going to happen, and uh, we can't. We shouldn't be afraid to say, I made mistakes, I'm, I didn't handle this well. Uh, we don't have to hide behind our mistakes. We're overcomers <laughs> of those things. And uh, we should realize we're not perfect, but God is. And, and that's what we rely on. And we rely on that we're made perfect through him. It's through him and our relationship with him. We were created in the image of God. So I was created from a perfect God, but I'm made perfect with God, through God. That's how it happens for me. And so we have to take the stress off of pretending to know everything, pretending to have done everything right. No, uh, we won't. (laughs) We're going to make mistakes. We just can't stay at that point. We just have to be real. God wants us to be be honest with who we are. He can work with that. If if I pretend I never needed God, and I'm always walking around as if I can do it by myself, I don't need any help, uh, God wants to help us, lead us, guide us. But we've got to accept that help. And we've got to be real and say, Wow, it's some things I don't know. Wow, it's some things I didn't get right. We think about our children, you know. Um, We always have those things with our children. We don't want them to do certain things. We don't want them to go certain places. We don't want them to hang out with certain people. Why don't we just tell them why? It's because we did, and we know the outcomes of that. And wouldn't it be great if we just gave them our story and our testimony and say, well, I don't want you doing that because I did that, and this is how it works for me. And so if we could just be real with who we are and what our needs are, wow, we can come before God 
lay everything on the altar before him and say, I'm not perfect, and then watch him mend and fix and change and grow and develop us every single place we need to have it done. As you were talking, I was thinking about the importance of being able to say, I was wrong. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. (laughs) Uh, So, you know, not only to recognize that we don't know it all and we don't have it all together, but to actually take ownership of that. Yeah, that's hard for people sometimes to acknowledge that. Uh, People will sometimes say, Marnie, well, I understand you feel that way, but they'll never acknowledge I'm sorry I made you feel that way. Um, you know, I, you know, they never say that I'm sorry. Those two little words sometimes just simply saying I'm sorry. No justification, no explanation. Forgive me. Wow, powerful. Not just for them, for you as mm-hmm. well. It works. It works both ways. When we're mm-hmm. real and we could say um, I'm not perfect. And I I did raise my voice. I did, uh, oh, I'm sorry, I did cut you off. I'm sorry, you go next. Wow, how great we feel and how great we allow others to feel with just those words. But it's difficult for people to say sometimes, I'm sorry, and we need to be real and admit that sometimes we're wrong and we need to be sorry. The last portion here, I want to talk about perfectionism, and there's a verse in the Bible that says, be ye perfect, even as God is perfect, and I have a picture of um, God being the dad, and us being the little baby, and so God has this little <laughs> male baby that he's looking into the baby's eyes, and he's tickling him under the chin, and he says, you're such a big man. <laughs> You're just like me. You're just such a big man. And how when we are loved, when we're in this amazing love relationship with God where he created us, we are his children. When he looks at us, he looks at us through the eyes of the sacrifice of Christ and he just sees us as we will be. He sees us as as we are in Christ, perfect and whole. And so when he's looking at us here on earth, we recognize that he's seeing us through the eyes of Christ, and it is not our own perfectionism that he's seeking. And in fact, we can't, we can't, we don't even have that to offer. We can't be perfect for God. But what he's saying, I believe, in that verse is that we get to be perfect through Christ. When we are in heaven, all of this, all of this sin nature will be stripped away, and we will be in in our in our perfected form, the way that God intended us to be. Uh, from the beginning. So when I think of perfectionism, I think that from my perspective, trying to do it perfectly is um, in the nature of God because he is perfect. So that comes naturally to us to want to do it right. But when I try to do that without him, that's where I get into trouble and I get in way over my head right away because I just simply can't be God. Yes. Yes, exactly. You know, when you were when you were talking, I was thinking of um, Colossians. I was thinking of Colossians that says uh, Colossians two and ten, and ye are complete. We are complete in Him, so we're perfect in Him, but we're complete in Him. We can't do anything without God. We are perfect through God 
it's it's through him that we're complete. And uh, when you were saying, you know, the, uh, the perfect through God, it just reminded me of, of that verse that I love. You are complete in him who is the head. He's the head of everything. And we are made complete. We're made perfect through him. So that means every little failure or thing that I may lack or seemingly think I lack, I don't. When I'm with God, he makes up for it. <laughs> He's got it. I make complete mm-hmm. through mm-hmm. him. There's nothing that I'm lacking because he has everything that completes me to make me perfect in his sight. Hmm. That, there's just so much freedom in the resting in his involvement in our life that we're not alone. We're not trying to do this. Um, you know, I talked about it earlier too. We're not trying to do this only for him. And of course we are doing it. You know, we're, I'm living for him. Yes. I, I would say that that's absolutely true, but it's not like I get out of bed every day and think, how can I impress God today? Because in and of myself, Karen, there is absolutely nothing that I could do to impress a holy God who's in charge of the whole universe has seen it all, has done it all, you know, has made it all. <laughs> uh, but yet, as his precious darling daughter, as his creation, his child, all I have to do to thrill him is actually just acknowledge that he exists, that he loves me, that he wants to reward me, that he wants to flow through my life and use me, that he wants to do life in relationship with me. That's what really, that's what thrills him. And it isn't about how perfectly I pull that off. It's about, it's about the heart to even try. Yes. Yes. And just knowing that uh, when he, when he sees us, taking that step or making that that stance, that that pleases him to see us go forth knowing that he perfects us and he does it and he sees us stepping out in faith, by faith, through faith, Marnie, mm-hmm. and he can, he can work with that and we don't have to have it all together. We don't have to be at the end point right now. He gets us there, but he loves it when we trust that he's going to do what he said he's going to do. The rewards will come from him. He loves that. Absolutely. Absolutely loves it. And then the other thing is that there's a lot of confidence in just giving my best for him because even when it falls so far short of um, what someone else might have been able to do, or even on a bad day, what I could do on a great day, um, when it doesn't matter. Because it's not about my performance. It never has been and never will be. It's just about this love relationship with God the Father through Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit that indwells in us and the rest and confidence that we can have in him. Karen, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for having me here. It was such an honor to share with your guests and to be a part of this discussion on beliefs and business and all of the so many things that, that we do. Oh, and you guys want to check out Karen's ministry. You can learn more about her over at womenspeakers.com under Nebraska. She'll come right up there or at her own website, faithfulwoman.com, faithfulwoman.com. Karen, when people go over there, what are they going to find? 
Well, we have a blog, Marnie, and in, in, in the blog we are discussing uh, being a woman full of faith and just giving some life examples of things that happened to us and some encouragement. We also uh, share information on a women's conference that we host on that site, and any literature or publications that we make available as well are on the site. So we'd love for people to join us at Faith fullwoman.com and drop a note even to say that you you stopped by after hearing the broadcast would love to hear that from you thank you so much thank you and thank you guys for joining us it's been a wonderful hour to share with you it's so fun to have you come live on wednesdays or if you're listening to the archive later i'm so grateful for your friendship and if you would ever like to carry this program on your own website all you do is go to blogtalkradio.com forward slash um, perspective transformation. And then you will find the box there that you can add the player box that you can add. You can add just one episode or you can add up to four episodes at a time and it'll automatically update. Thanks to all of those of you who already do that. You can also tune in at Stitcher or iTunes. And we look forward to seeing you again next time. My website is Marnie.com, M-A-R-N-I-E.com. I encourage you to check over there. And our sponsor is WomenSpeakers.com, connecting planners with speakers since 2002. And if you ever need a Christian woman speaker, I hope that you will check that out. Thanks again for joining us. Have a wonderful day. Talk to you next time. Bye-bye.